0: Welcome to Spartan Speak, a podcast presented by the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. I'm Graham Couch, sports columnist for the Lansing State Journal, along with my co-host and colleague, Chris Solari, Michigan State beat writer for the Detroit Free Press. Chris, it has been a while since we have done one of these through travels and uh, time off and um, all sorts of stuff.
1: Yeah, Uh, holidays, all all the fun stuff.
0: Yeah, it is. It's good to be back, and there's a lot to get into. And um, once again, for those expecting Phil Friend, he may make an appearance at some point. But but Phil Friend is is a silent partner on the podcast for the time being, and uh, we miss his voice, we miss his charm, we miss his good looks. Uh, but it'll, uh, it'll,
1: be, it'll be like when that when that cast member left the show and then came back for a special appearance, and and the audience just tears into major applause and.
0: Yeah, okay. and we we didn't want to replace the same character with a different actor. We didn't feel like that right. was being true to the audience. You just go on with the show without 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 Phil. So um, yeah. So let's let, now, a, and now I mean, you get Joni loves Chachi. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we didn't want to pull the the fresh prints and replace the mom, you know, and act <laughs> like you didn't know. So there's a lot to get into. Obviously, Michigan State football and signing day and guys coming back and everything going on there. And we're going to do that here in a little bit. Uh, let, let's start with hoops, because um, that's coming up here much more quickly. We're recording this on uh, Thursday morning, December 29th. The uh, men's basketball team plays December 31st, Friday, at 6 p.m. against Buffalo. And then springboards, uh, that spring springs them back in a Big Ten play. And um, there's some interesting tidbits also coming out yesterday, Chris, that uh, Keon Coleman is is on the team. It's not official that he's going to play yet. but it, He's it, back
1: practicing, I think, is the best way to describe it right now.
0: It certainly looks like it. it. would be kind of weird now if all of a sudden they pulled him out of it. Um, but I, but it's also it, a little it, Things can happen,
1: though. I think that's yeah. – I mean, you know, they, they obviously, from a basketball standpoint, could use another body for practice depth. Um, I, I think people who are thinking that he's going to play significant minutes might be a little jumping the gun in some ways because i mean this is a guy that's played a half year of college basketball and really didn't play in the off season because he was focused on football so it, well, it's not like there's a lot of major development over the course of the year from a hoop standpoint that said he's a, he is a freakish athlete and i think as we saw last year Izo felt comfortable putting him in in a couple first half situations uh, most notably the Iowa game when, when he needed some toughness and rebounding and defense. Um, uh, and it sounds like just from talking to him yesterday, that was, it's kind of, if he does get many minutes or any minutes in, in meaningful minutes, I should say, uh, that would be kind of the role that he would be in.
0: Yeah. What, what's interesting is well, a couple of things. The, the second item of news that we'll get into is it looks like Malik Hall is, is going to, or they're hoping he'll play, uh, Against Buffalo, he's been he's been practicing. That's that's Um, another.
1: That's another. We'll we'll cut that in a minute. Yeah.
0: So, but what's interesting about those two storylines, and this tells you where MSU fans' heads are. So, those two tweets, you know, everybody's tweeting out about those two situations. I tweeted pretty much within a minute of each other. The Keon Coleman tweet had like three hundred and ten likes at this point. The Malik Hall tweet had news had ninety likes. Like that's where people's heads are. Like Malik Hall is like. An athlete, a, a player that changes who Michigan State is significantly, but Keon Coleman is the beloved uh, fan favorite. Um, but but he's, I also he's want...
1: exactly what. If you want to talk about a, an athlete, that's the the equivalent of signing day. It's Keon Coleman because he's what what's next. He's the the untapped potential that you haven't seen, at, but you have these. Grand expectations for based on what you saw on his high school tape, right? Yeah, and it's I mean, fun. That's, like, that's, like that's he, kind of it's kind of the 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 equivalency for me on that.
0: Right. He has one of the better high school highlight reels of, of basketball that we've seen. That that it was he he heavily <laughs> made sure it got out there, and it wasn't a great level of competition, but he's a really good player. And I think one of the and I think he, it's fun. It's a fun story. He's a beloved football player who is sort of beginning to tap into his potential. There uh, looks like an NFL receiver. He's but, not. He's not a Matt Van Dyke type. No, player. no. And he—that's the thing. He is truly a Big Ten athlete. And the difference this year to last year is, you know, a year ago when this was happening with him and Malik Carr, and it does not look like Malik Carr is is, is going to join the team. But when this was happening, Izzo was very like, not—he was very cautionary. He didn't want to do a lot of stories on that. You know, a lot of answer a lot of questions on them. He didn't want them to become a theme. He thought if these guys help at all, it'll be most likely garbage time. And other than that Iowa game, that's largely what it was. The, the, Izzo this year has been very different in his verbiage about an analysis of, of Coleman, basically saying, look, this guy just chose hoops. He'd be a Big Ten player, you know, and a Big Ten starter. Yeah. He's a Big Ten athlete, and and he thinks he can help them. He can guard people defensively. And so that he, Izzo has not shied away from the idea that Keon Coleman can be somebody who contributes in some way. To what degree we'll see? Certainly, on a team without great depth, if there is an injury anywhere throughout the season, is, at certain spots, he could come more into play. But I think there's that intrigue too. There have been, you know, times where you need an athlete on the floor. You need a guy who can defend. Uh, he brings excitement. Um, and, and I, do, I, I think... do wonder. I do wonder though, if some of that is to kind of keep Keon
1: Coleman's head on right too. Um, to want to, to wanna do this, yeah. you mean? uh i think this you know the the compliments the the platitudes that he's kind of given him a, as a basketball player um you know cuz I, I don't know how much they've really seen him you know i mean that's you know just you know going off i i i mean we saw him at moneyball a couple times hanging out but it was pretty evident at that point that his attention was on football and same you know once the basketball season ended it wasn't like he was in there. I mean, I, I'm I'm assuming maybe he may, he ran with some open gyms yeah. over the summer and did some scrimmaging, but but the, di- you know, the different yeah you're totally it's right. Different, has, it's don't... different doing that than it is playing within a system and a structure. That said, watched him at practice yesterday a little bit, and he didn't look out of place defensively. He didn't look lost, so there was definitely retention there. But I also wondered too because it's like you know Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo made this promise to Keon Coleman that you can come and you can play both sports. Um, So I do think that, you know, he has to kind of keep that up in his bargain. And and I think that he's done that I'm talking about Tom Izzo, Um, but it does sound like the question still remains where is it, what's his football future in terms of this upcoming season. I mean, this is an important season for not just for Michigan state, but I mean, this is Keon Coleman's draft eligible season.
0: Well that's right. Attitude. And so he he's sort of in the spot that that Malik Carr was a year ago and Malik Carr stated pretty clearly um uh, last last spring that his hope was to be in the NFL draft this year and that that didn't happen. And and you see a situation now where it appears, you know, that he's he's not going to play and and the promise that was made, I mean, in some ways it was kept because they let him do it last year. They let him try to do it. Yeah. And I think and he
1: did, he did well. I mean, to get those yeah. to get those first half minutes that speaks he, volumes to the type of player he is.
0: He also did well on the football field. He became he was their leading receiver. He became a go-to guy in a lot of ways. Um, whereas Malik Carr had moments, but probably had an, an underwhelming season based on expectations for him uh overall and, and sort of taking the next step based on flashes.
1: Um well the, from a basketball standpoint too, there's yes. there's a bigger need for a six four two hundred and fifteen pound guard wing on this team. Than there is for a six-five power forward or or center, because he's still undersized for the Big Ten competition.
0: Totally, totally. And, and I'm uh, talking about. Yeah. And so that 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 makes some sense. And and I do think if you know if progress hadn't been made last year by Coleman on the football field the way it was, there might be less inclination. Now it will be interesting because the phrasing from Izzo was very much that he and Mel still need to talk. That Keon kind of just showed up ready to practice. Yeah, uh, for that Monday night. I love that. Christmas. I think that's great. Yeah, I mean that's very Keon Coleman. This is who Keon Coleman thinks he is. I think, to be honest, I think if you had a beer with Keon Coleman uh, twenty years from now, he would tell you that his first love is hoops. But he's also oh, yeah. he's gonna he understands that football is where his money is. It's where he's you know, and it's not that he couldn't be a, a professional basketball player. He has the athleticism. He, if he quit football today. And just said, I'm going to play basketball. I don't know if he'd ever be an NBA player, but with his athletic skill set, he would undoubtedly make good money in Europe. Like he—he he, he is not—he is a—he um, is a guy who could be a basketball player. But when you're a 200 two hundred-pound receiver with his skills, that's that's where the that's where the money is. There are fewer of those guys. There are fewer of what he can do on a football field than there are guys like him on a basketball court out there. And I think. Uh, he totally um yeah. understands that so let, i like
1: it I, 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 a, a friend of mine from high school uh that I've known since kindergarten uh our senior year in high school he emerged as a as a point guard a, a division one point guard recruit um at 6 three and and could jump and was very very thin but that ended up Finding himself on the the right end of a radar gun at, at a game after playing third base for many years, and ended up as a third round draft pick of the Padres. So he had a, he had an option to play both sports, both you know, try and walk on basketball and pitch and play third base. At James Madison, realized that I'm a third round pick, and I got a chance to make some money. Had a ten year major league career has been coaching our high school basketball team ever since because he was it was a very similar thing where he was a hoops junkie first and foremost and you know baseball was second but that's where the money was so to even attempt to chase basketball at that point and it's funny because he he actually in in the Padres organization ended up playing uh in, in in one summer with with Trajan Langdon when Trajan Langdon was in the Padres organization so they played pickup games together so um you can't I don't think you can get the hoops out of someone's blood you know that I mean oh, yeah, well, if you're a hoops player you're you know you you want to because of the nature of basketball you it, it's you, you get five you know four guys and go play you can get six guys and go play And you know, they're football's not like that, baseball's not like that, hockey's not like that. Um, you know, and you could play all year round in any number, you can go two on two, four on four, whatever. Um, so I think that's hard to kind of get out of a guy's system. And you know, I I even think back to to my time as a student at MSU, I mean, some of the best intramural teams at IM West. Over the years, uh, in in a lot of the leagues, were were the football players who yep. got their got their hoops junkies out in 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 IM West in in those leagues, and you know, and really couldn't be beat because they were Division One athletes. But Keon Coleman's a different kind of guy, and he's definitely got a future in in football. So.
0: Yeah, we've seen we've seen guys like Andre Risen who played at Michigan State briefly and had to make a choice and eventually, you know, didn't play the entire didn't play when he wasn't needed as much. He played quite a bit.
1: Yeah. You know, Adam Berghorst, I mean, yep. just yeah, not too long ago had that football and and baseball.
0: And obviously Trannan being the one who was the most yeah. impact of, of of times and and um, you know, the you know and and just because people like to drink on this pod when they listen to this podcast and should, and, and they're you know they're associated when I mentioned Kalamazoo. I mean, Greg Jennings scored 51 points in a game against Benton Harbor at Kalamazoo Central, could have played Division I high level basketball, but he's a 5'11 guard, you know, right. and he understood where his chances were. Let's let's talk about so to so take your drinks, please. Um, <laughs> the uh, the, the Malik Hall situation, um, I think. I think what's notable about the Malik Hall situation, Chris, is that that timeline has stayed more in line with what they thought than the Jay Nakins one did initially. So the Jay Nakins, you know, mm. in September when they were saying, you know, three to four weeks, I don't think they ever thought three to four weeks. It was before the yes, season, sir. not a huge deal, but they they never said anything about Hall coming back really before Christmas. You never had that sense that they were expecting him. So the idea that, the, the foot is is healed as expected. When it expected, it didn't linger deep into January. I do think getting some time against the Buffalo helps. Uh, Nebraska is is is, is a, an improved team. Uh, they're playing a different style of basketball than they've played in other years, but and it's working. But still, that's a home game. After that, that they should be able to win. And so you have two games for for Malik Hall now, where he can sort because it always is is a little disjointing when you bring a, a, a guy who's is, is, is integral to what they do. Uh, now I do think he's good at sort of sometimes to his own detriment fitting in and not, you know, and so he'll, yeah. he'll, he'll do that. But I do think they have two games now uh, before they play Michigan where, um, you know, you, you sort of work him back in a bit.
1: Yeah. And, and Tom Izzo said he pulled him out of practice on Monday, on, on uh, Wednesday, just to kind of give him a little bit of a breather. He'd been a little bit sore coming off at of work on Monday and Tuesday. So he's not really sure how many minutes Malik Hall could get on Friday, which I think is fine. I mean, I think they kind of did that same thing with Jaden Akins and Akins ended up playing like 20 minutes uh, when he came back, uh, I believe in the Northwestern game, um, after missing the Portland tournament and then the Notre Dame game. So, and then that Aikens thing, you know, I think that may have been the initial timeline may have been Izzo either conflating when he would get back to working out versus when he was actually going to be able to compete. But he, at the same point, they did say he would be back for the regular season to open, and he was.
0: And, and I do. Yeah, I think the initial thing was sort of Izzo wanting to make it less of a story, you know, because when, yeah. and, and when you make it and, and being we've hopeful, had some injuries over the years. I don't know see- if
1: you've heard about
0: that. What's that? They've had some foot injuries over the years. I don't know if you've heard yeah. about it. Yeah, I don't think he wanted it to be, a, you know, and, 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 and before the season you can get away with that because you're not counting the games. I mean, you're not missing anything. And and I, I think
1: well, – And Izzo's and defense, you know, he also didn't want to make it seem like it was a Josh langford russell Bird situation. Totally. Either.
0: And I, that's where they get sensitive. You you want it to be much more Miles Bridges and much more right. guys who just, you know, had a, had a moment, you know, and, and it just wasn't a thing after that. So um and they're and they're tricky injuries because because they could be a Miles Bridges
1: situation and most often they are. And it's not just a Michigan State problem. I mean that's a college basketball problem. No, it's an it, NBA problem too. You know the thing is you know they just had some rotten luck with those two guys in particular with with Bird and, and Langford where you know whether it be the physiology of their foot or whatever it might be it 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 left them those injuries lingering and changed who they were as players. I, I from Aiken's standpoint, I don't think I mean he looks any different now than he did. Um other than from a stamina standpoint, which I think that comes from just being on the court and, and doing it. And Hall I mean Hall plays a different kind of game too. So I mean that's going to be interesting though because they do need him. And it's it, I don't know if there was a maybe Joey Hauser but those are the two guys that I think that they they really couldn't and can't afford to lose um, for long term. So and and give them credit for surviving. I mean, they had. I mean, it, you know, the the Hall injury happened what right before the Portland tournament. Um, so he's been out since the Villanova game, and you know they had uh, that was the back end of a very long stretch. I mean, he had played forty two minutes. In that Kentucky game, um, and then you know he he goes on the shelf, um, but there weren't many games either. I mean, other than you know that, I mean, I think that you know I think he missed like eight, ultimately he'll missed eight games, but you know they had that big long layoff um, coming out of that 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 big stretch in the big t- a couple of big ten games to open the season get 10 days off between games and then they had 9 days off between the buffalo games so it's allowed him to kind of it's allowed them to kind of let him just work back on his own too which i think you know that that's a big thing because you're not rushed to to get back at that point i think and that maybe that's why they set that you know set a more realistic timetable with him knowing that they had some time to to play with there
0: yeah, well, and, you know, and, and you're right that everything is different. Like, you know, I, I did a story today on the 25 years since the game that, that changed everything, which is actually Friday, but would be 25 years when Michigan State beat Purdue 74-57. And it got his off the hot seat and sort of everything that followed. Yeah. That game kind of came out of nowhere. And, and, and um, but, you know, I that that's, 25 years ago. I mean, that's you know it's crazy. It, when
1: you, it, it's crazy when you start talking cuz now i mean you realize we're old right yeah. i mean tom Izzo was super young and you know I, I i think that was uh not long after i had him for coaching basketball along with my colleague dave Burquette, uh at the free press we we uh that was his first year as head coach when he was still teaching the the class
0: Well, the um, most the most embarrassing thing about that story is in, in researching it, I went to go find the survey that the Lansing State Journal did. I saw that. Um, and they put out a survey. To, the the February before, basically having fans grade Izzo, people weren't happy they are headed to their second straight NIT to start his tenure. It didn't look like they were, you know. Anyway, and uh, so I'm reading the story and reading the grades. Ebling wrote it in February 97. And there's a quote from one of the people surveyed. Some... Yeah. 17 year old
1: basketball savant, I bet.
0: Punk punk resident from Lansing, Michigan, uh, who would eventually become the LSG sports columnist. So, uh, that was embarrassing, but I included it anyway. What's that? Todd Schultz, Todd Schultz, right? It was not, yeah, it was Todd Schultz. Uh, (laughs) so that's 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 in there, but even that year was derailed by a Thomas Kelly foot injury for a while, took a while, and and but that you know, he's a guy with a 20 year pro career. Uh, you look at Russell Bird who came back too early um and he'll tell you that and he rushed it and he was trying and 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 i think they learned as a staff from that experience too
1: matines injury as well and yeah and and and, and, and then, russell
0: uh, you know had problems with foot injury but then had a, a good run in the, in the pros and and you're right to the point i got a lot of questions about and i'm sure you did too about the um you know is this a program issue they're, they're training their yeah. shoes and, and and i i didn't know whether i was gonna and maybe there's was a story to do anyway but i called around a few people just to Just to make sure I wasn't that wasn't out of the ordinary in terms of numbers, and I sort of laid out some of the situations and and talking to you know three different people who are either uh, trainers, athletic, athletic uh, trainers, strength and conditioning coaches at at either the college or or, or pro level. They all said it's 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 just normal. It's just what you see because it's your program. You know that people see that okay, this seems like a lot. So I don't think there's anything. Uh, to yeah, that. I mean,
1: these kids are playing I mean, what we were talking about earlier about being hoops junkies. I mean, these kids now, you know, they're not necessarily doing those things that allow them to play the baseball and the football. Um, They're, they're oftentimes, especially the highest level basketball players from the time they're freshmen or sophomores in high school solely focused on playing basketball. So what you end up doing is having a lot more wear and tear. I mean, it's like it's like car tires. I mean, quite honestly, I mean, it's, you know, the more, the more wear and tear you put on your feet, depending on, you know, how much weight you put on, you know, whether it's natural progression, whether it's, you know, kind of that intense weight training and, I mean, everything with your body changes, you know, in in terms of, you know, adding muscle and all those things. I mean, that, that, that all plays a factor into it too. I mean, but you're, but you're running pretty much. 12 months a year now i mean it's not like yeah and, and at, there's a there's a pounding that goes with the feet more than anything um you know with the hard surface i mean you know basically you don't necessarily see these kind of injuries in baseball and football as often because they're oftentimes on softer surfaces yeah so, that, so there's that component to it as well but yeah i mean it's you know it, it is Michigan State fans are focused on Michigan State, so it seems like it's a lot there. The, the, it's, it happens it's like, now. It's, the shoe issue, the shoe issue. You could say that might be an issue because a lot of these schools and a lot of these kids wear one certain type type of shoe.
0: Yeah, I've never I've never been the biggest Nike guy, uh, but but also a lot of you know people, you know Michael Jordan was a Nike guy, right? So th- that, that, that yeah worked out okay for him. Um. so yeah and so obviously Malik Hall changes they, they need Malik Hall they need Jay Nakins this is not a team that has great depth their depth is created through their versatility and that versatility relies on those two guys too and and I think the the high IQ of so the the way that Jay Nakins changes their athleticism Hall does that to a degree too his sort of cerebral nature and, and it, it helps everybody It bleeds into who Matty Sissoko is and everything so yeah. For this team he, to, he get is,
1: to, he is. I think I mentioned this before. He is the Xavier Henderson of the basketball team. In a lot of he, ways, I he think he's that, kind that's of the right. orchestrator
0: and communicator,
1: particularly on the defensive side.
0: And he's a team captain. He's a guy who wants to lead, and it's hard to lead when you're when you're out. And I think Izzo. No, is, I, is
1: he, we, do we even know? I don't think he's officially a team captain. I, Izzo never really said that again did, this did, year. Didn't they say think he, he was? Kind of de facto because he was last year.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. I kind of, I kind of thought that was said at some point, but
1: um, he uh, had talked about not having captains this year because of the closeness of the team. And I, it, it's worth revisiting with him at some point, but I don't necessarily know if that matters. The, the, this team, is, I, I give this team a lot of credit because they do have a, and maybe it's because there are fewer guys, a couple fewer guys on it, but they do seem to have a pretty close bond between them.
0: No, I, I I do think yeah, I do think it is So so that it, it gets interesting quick, um, and we'll we'll come back next week, probably after uh, Nebraska game because the next week goes early Tuesday, and then before the Michigan game, and, and do another pod where we get in get into, uh, you know what what we're seeing what we saw these last two games from the basketball team, which at that point, if if things go right, should be ten and four and two and one in the Big Ten and in a pretty good spot. Um, with, with their rival Michigan uh, coming to town and so we'll, we'll we'll get into that and everybody's favorite uh, person, Hunter Dickinson will be uh, on the floor at, at Michigan State, which should be should be entertaining. Um, the, uh, okay, let's talk let's talk some football. Um, signing day ha- there, there's a lot that's happened here. So you have the early signing day, you have a number of guys announcing they're, they're coming back, including Jacoby Winman and, and Aaron Brule. And uh, which I think are are both significant veteran linebackers, guys who played at a high level, or at least the Big Ten level uh, for a lot of years.
1: Both guys that can rush off the edge to help, you know, smooth out uh, uh, what's been a rough area uh, because over the course of the last year, but should be better because of what they picked up on signing day.
0: No doubt, and and would like. With Winman we, we we've seen his best. He's a real difference maker. Um, Brulek has been that at times too. But at the very worst, this is why you want these guys. He's that that's the kind of quality depth you need. So and and, and Mel Tucker has talked about sort of the drop off when they have injuries still in the program. They don't have uh, the depth, and and I think they were hoping to have it a little bit better this year, and it proved it proved otherwise. Uh, the recruiting class um, is 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 not bad. I mean, it's an interesting one because they only have, it was at 14 um, high school kids in it to this point. Now there's another signing period that very well could add uh, a couple kids there. Um, And what I found interesting, Chris is, and and, and this would be from the, if if you're looking to sort of take this positively is when they did lose some kids, they lost a handful of uh, four star kids decommitted from them, but if they did not, seemed to settle it was almost like okay nobody replaces them uh we'll go in the transfer portal to find what we want and 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 a lot of guys and this is why rankings get weird now you know guys in the transfer portal with three years left of eligibility or multiple years left and and yet they're ranked the same as some guy with one year left and i understand different recruiting services do that differently but it is a, a tricky thing to look at but those guys also don't come in as freshmen so they're technically not part of that class either so in terms of what You're looking at for a class that is of of that age. There's only 14 of them coming in. Most of them coming in, it seems, is 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 early enrollees.
1: Yeah, and this is you know this is where Mel Tucker is talking about the the challenges and and I guess you know difficulties of roster management right now Um, because you've got guys with fifth and sixth years of eligibility out there. You've got community college guys coming in with different eligibilities you've got transfers who have some have extra years um you know like like a guy like Dre Butler who they picked up from from Liberty in the transfer portal he's got one year left or the Tamiz Adelaide who's got three or four years left coming from Texas A&M so I mean there's you know, that's that's a challenge. But you're right. I, I think what what you you hit it on the head with what they did in terms of, you know, I think they had eight decommitments during this recruiting cycle, which, you know, caused I think the fan some of the fan base to kind of panic a little bit and say, Whoa, this is, you know, because they had trumpeted that class all summer, um, you know, with the amount of four star guys they had. And you know, a couple guys here or there started going away, but that didn't, you know, the, they still had a number of four star guys committed. And the biggest the biggest keeps were the, the biggest things they did were keep by Job, who the guy who had the highest upside in the class. Uh the the couple the the two in state kids with with Dellinger and, and uh uh the tight end Parachek, and keeping them. You know, those are four star guys that from your home base that that you keep, and, and then flipping the quarterback. Uh, how soon? Another. How soon
0: till somebody has to use in a headline and print? This is more of a print headline. The uh, the by job like by Joe, you know, like trying to play off. It's it's got to happen soon. Got to get it yeah. out of the way. It's, it's, it's,
1: uh, yeah, I, I I hope he arrives and tells us his name is like by Jobe, so we don't don't so do it. it, it. Yeah. But um, you know, but no, I mean it's. I mean, it, it, it was fascinating, though, to see they had these high, these really up, high upside four-star guys. and I think it was eight. It ended up being eight. You know, they've talked about it tying a program record with nine, but one of them was a community college transfer, so I, I don't, I don't count that. I, I, I count. I, I mean, high school recruits are are to me where you well, look. I, I, you that. know, the, it that was doesn't, mean, about that. doesn't mean the talent's not there because I think they've got some talented transfers. It's traditionally been in the recruiting. You can't say, well, how did that 2000 or whatever, I, I don't remember which year it was that they had nine four-star guys. 2016, and they yeah. They were high school guys. You know, yeah. well, and
0: that, that's, that's a good point, but I do think it is interesting because traditionally, and I think 24-7 and rivals and on three and all these places struggle with this, is that traditionally before the transfer portal became a big thing, a junior college transfer – was every bit a part of your high school recruiting class. So now it's kind of like, well, why isn't that kid in with the guys who transfer? It shouldn't be. Um, He's got two years years
1: of college experience on someone else. Right. And and doesn't have four or five years of college eligibility.
0: Even so, I thought coming into this year that it was important. I put the over-under at seven four-stars. I thought that was like the number. And and look, how these kids develop and stick around, all that stuff matters more. But – I thought that was like in the trajectory would would be important so to get to eight nine whatever it is and and, and then uh, uh, several transfers who are of, of are renowned um I I think it's a it's a it's a it's a good class and I think the one thing that Mel Tucker well he understands many things but uh one thing he does understand is that to compete at the level they're being asked to compete with they they have to raise the level of guys they are signing and they can't settle for guys. They can't, um, it's gotta be you're you're, in with the early signing period. You're probably better off having some openings that you're still going after guys. And I think with the NIL year, and he called it the first sort of full year of NIL where this has been in place. And, you know, the transfer portal getting younger guys out because they feel like maybe they haven't, uh, got some, some false promises or things like that, wherever they go or going places for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, he, uh, you do want to keep openings because that stuff can still can still turn after the bowl season. There, there's there's going to be. More I also think it's blocks. important
1: for for Michigan State standpoint to fill some of those holes from the 2020 and 21 classes, uh, and even now a couple of the 22 class. You know, with Jeremy Bernard and Jack Stone that they've lost. I mean, you've got you know the the portal works the other way, and and kind of it's uh, in, in a lot of ways it sometimes can be like having a decommitment. Yeah. In all, in in all honesty, and how do you replace that? Do you replace? I mean, if you can replace them in class with that eligibility, that helps you with your roster management rather than getting another guy with five years of eligibility ahead and and, and that clock. So, I mean, it's you know, especially if you're, and, and I think just looking at what they did, I mean, you know, like you said, and I think that it's been pretty clear that you know the thought is get the most talented players from the high school ranks and then supplement with the transfers and then continue to try and get those 4 5 star high school guys. I still think you know, I mean th- the fact that there's not an Ohio kid in this class to me <clears throat> I I think that you know that's something that we're not it's not it wasn't just Mark D'Antonio. There were a lot of coaches at Michigan State Nick Saban before um that really built the program with those second tier Ohio kids, those 3 star kids that maybe didn't get an Ohio state offer. And I think there's something to be said about that from a program building standpoint, in terms of regionality, you don't necessarily have the guys who
0: all of a sudden bail on you. Cause it's the first time they've ever seen snow or, or, um, or they're just a long way from home. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's right. the, yeah. The, I mean, that's, you know, that's the Jeremy Bernard is now Jeremy Bernard, you know, the, every player is their own situation. Yes. And, and, um, and the school he first committed to, the situation there just got a whole lot better back home too. So it's not just what's happening on MSU's front. But you're right. I do think, you know, University of Michigan years ago had a number of Georgia and and, and commits from that region that really didn't work out. Um And, you know, now Mel Tucker has deep ties there, and I, I do believe you should recruit to your strengths. And, and if, if you most of those kids wind up staying, then that's that's fine. But, yeah, I, I do think that's a harder kid to hang on to. It's one of the reasons Izzo... You know, has always talked about that four hour radius uh, because he can involve parents and families much easier. Tier
1: one, tier two for Mel Tucker for Mark D'Antonio's program.
0: Yeah. So I, it's, 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 um,
1: now I'll throw this in here too, because I do think that this is an important caveat. Um, you look at even some of the transfers, I mean, they got two transfers out of Covington, Georgia that Tucker knew and his staff knew about and recruited when they were at Georgia when he was you know a couple older kids that either when he was at Georgia or when he was uh recruiting for you know kind of keeping ties with those coaches down there um you know and i think they got a couple other georgia kids uh over the last few years um but they also haven't been able to be in the hallways in schools in the midwest that's that's something that we that, that they did not have a chance to do on a regular basis because of the pandemic. right? you you know, as much as we talk about, you know, the, the challenges that the pandemic, I mean, building that relationship, you know, I mean, you know, Harlan Barnett has some relationships in Ohio that he's carried, but a lot of this staff doesn't. And, you know, that's, that's the thing is you, if you can walk the hallways, in those schools in Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, to, to, to not just, meet the kids but also to talk with the coaches and say hey you need to see this kid who's the next up and comer to build those relationships on an early level at freshman and sophomore year um you know that's something that this staff hasn't had the ability to do until maybe what the last year so yeah. you know that that could change that could change at some point as well but i mean tucker also i think is going to keep and take that national approach on top of it um, but I think that, you know, if you're talking about, you know, when you have the decommitments like that, um, if you are chasing the, you know, the Moby Dicks of the, the recruiting classes, the five-star kids, you know, high four-star kids and you lose out or you have some flips, you know, have backup plans in Ohio are oftentimes, sometimes you get a Danigos Allen. Sometimes you get, you know, a, a, a kid regionally who can be,
0: uh, who who wants to be there and and becomes a star and and like Harlan Barnett is still on the staff and he's a guy who re- recruited Ohio a ton and and you build your staff around and, and and who knows that that stuff could still could still happen but I but I also understand why in in, in, the, in the short term when you're when you're trying to I mean you know you, you when the it's a people... approach
1: than Mark Antonio I mean, yeah well, yeah and you're also building a different approach and you know I, I talked about this with people before it's like it's it's the Tom Izzo Jim Beheim situation they're both Fantastic coaches who have won a billion games between them and our Hall of Fame coaches, but you couldn't have farther disparity in styles, in scheduling, in play, in in defense, and all the things. But they can both win, right? So this is kind of the, the that chasm I think between what Mark D'Antonio did and what Mel Tucker's trying to do is there. Yeah, and that's not saying that one is right or wrong. Um, you know, it, each coach can make it work within their own blueprint. Um, D'Antonio did it for a number of years until it didn't work. And now Tucker's trying to change that. And it, it still remains to be seen if it will, but, you know, they've got some definite building blocks out of this class and the last class that, that, and really even, you know, you look at the Keon Coleman class, you know, a couple of years ago. I mean, there's, there are, there are the talents starting to stack, Um you know, whether that, that, is enough, you know, talent only takes you so far. You got to have the coaching, you got to have the development as well. So, but it is, it is fascinating to kind of watch the differences in the programs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree on that. You, you you know, there, I think the, the 2022 class that were true freshmen this year, 23, uh, that some of which just signed and next year's 24 will be the determining factors for his tenure. And, uh, and sort of the, the, the staples and, and foundations. and and But that, that also, I think, to, to people's sort of time frame, you should think about it in those terms. When are those kids permeating the roster and playing big roles on the field? And so you have guys who are true freshmen, a few of which saw some time. Um, But now you're going to, um, you know, basically when those guys are redshirt juniors and seniors, next year's class are redshirt sophomores and juniors, and the class after that, are redshirt freshmen and sophomores. I think you can you can legitimately say, all right, what is this program under Mel Tucker? And that's a lot of patience. Um, because, but the one one thing I do think they did a nice job of that I didn't see, and, and you were ahead of this more on, uh, than I was, Chris, is I, I really thought next year could be a, a rough year. Now, not that this year wasn't, but sort of another one, and maybe they'd win a game or two more but a year where people really had to temper expectations. And I do believe the program sort of being repaired at the core is still a ways off and you can't overshoot expectations, uh, you know, is, is I heard somewhere else describe it. You know, the, the, there was a little bit of a lipstick on a pig in the Kenneth Walker year, you know, um, you know, and, and or sort of making up something and putting some paint on a, something that needed a, a remodel. But I, I do think that, Next year could be better than we thought, partly because of some offensive line guys returning, uh, and and DuPlain and, and Samak, some young guys there. And, and a, 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 maybe the most important was the junior college, uh, kid they got out of the in in the um, black
1: Blackstock.
0: yep, in the in the on, on signing day. And that that's an area that they, you know, I mean, Xavier Henderson put it bluntly, they'll go as far as the offensive line can take them now, and he was defensive kind of, line. I think that's the other side of it, too. Is well,
1: that, I mean, this was a this was a group that was meant to load up the trenches. When you talk about a building block class, I mean, you know, you, you've got all those four, high four-star guys with with Job and DePape, and uh, I am forget, oh, uh, Jalen Thompson. I mean, those are all good edge rushers. And then you bring in the transfer Adelaide from Texas A&M. Um, another guy that can that can be an edge rusher, and you, yeah. you know, bring back Windman and Brule, who can help on the edge. I mean, those are all areas of of massive need in the trenches and and really in the pass rush that that you could see that the staff identified the issue and went out with this class to address it. And they get four, two four star offensive linemen from high school as well. So, yeah. I mean, you you can't say that they're not looking at the the biggest need areas. And and trying to fill them.
0: Yeah, I think they did a nice job of, of of sort of building overall talent and and trying to address needs in the short term. Uh, and last considered. year was
1: more defensive back based for them because they had had secondary issues.
0: And and you can't you know the, the thing that's you know you can say well it's more important to just to just to uh, you know put together talented classes on top of each other, but also you, you can't people will lose faith. You got to keep some level of momentum, and I think next year. They, they really need – they need to be in a bowl game. You know, you need to be – you need to have a winning season. Those sort of things that and, – and not need it like – need it if, if you don't get it, they're going to fire you. But to keep people energized and believing and thinking that this staff has the goods to get it done. And, and so you, you, you need some some of those things. And so I, I – um, but, I, yeah, I think this class did that, did that pretty well. That said, I think I wrote this in the – Column that day, I have never, I mean, it always sounds great on signing day. I have never covered a signing yeah. day press conference at every, any level I've ever covered it where they didn't hit a home run and they didn't get everybody they wanted, and there weren't a number of immediate contributors and edge guys and receivers who are going to be playmakers, and everything sounds promising. But when you even when you sift through the hyperbole, I do think this class is is, is pretty pretty solid. One pretty of my solid.
1: favorite, one of my favorite signing day moments. It, it happened at Breslin Center. Back before they moved the media room, it was still downstairs. Um, it was Mark D'Antonio's first recruiting class, and it was it, it, they had it like the same day as a basketball game at that point. And I remember going out to the elevator and talking to Dan Enos afterward. And this has been, I think, it was like early two thousand seven, and he was really happy and 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 bragging about this kid they got to flip from Western Michigan and, you know, kind of kind of late addition to the class that he thought was going to be a really, really good quarterback named Kirk Cousins. And at that point, you know, people were like, why are you even talking about this kid when you've got maybe Keith, I think Kid Nickel was getting ready to make his return to MSU at that point, and they had already had Foles. F- I think Foles was in the fold as well. So it was like OK, this is just signing. No. I mean, who's the guy that that's had the longevity and, and ended up having that job? So, I mean, there is I mean, as much as sometimes you have to listen between the lines a little bit with it to to hear it. And I, I think there are a lot of guys that, like that that Mel Tucker really talked about that. I mean, you yeah, you can look at the star rankings. Yeah, you can look at the. Measurables, um, but you can tell when a coach gets really excited about a guy they get, and there were at least a few of them I think that Mel Tucker had had the energy about,
0: no doubt, and you can see that in 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 coaches, and uh, it it's uh, yeah, so that 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 becomes you know the 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 one other interesting thing I think in that class was that there was a lot of talk about the two four star quarterbacks back to back. But again, I, I will say to your point just now: in the history of MSU football, the modern history, the, very rarely does the guy that gets pegged to be the guy wind up being the guy. It has almost always been some three star guy who beats out. So I, that that Andrew more than Maxwell was is, a four star guy, uh, and Connor Cook wasn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it happened time and time again: Messiah DeWeaver, uh, Damian Terry. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it, just the number of four stars. Andrew Maxwell was a four star um a lot of guys and and also the uh, the idea that it never happened before is being trumpeted like 24-7 did have uh Tyler O'Connor as a four-star there are two guys where the guy after Jeff Smoker never really worked out was you know they didn't really have stars the same deal was that Joe say, Boister? what's that was that Joe Boister no it was an ant oh, yeah, I forget his name but he, um, the,
1: Aaron Alexander.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it was. A, and and so he was a top 12 kid in the country. So there, there have been a number of really close, and when you look at the where they're ranked, almost the same as this. So this isn't new, uh, but it doesn't mean they're not two really intriguing prospects. And that'll be interesting. The quarterback position will be interesting next year because I do think this spring they will. I mean, you can't just r- repeatedly give it to Peyton Thorne and not let kids compete for it. And you're not going to have a true freshman win that. I, I doubt it. But even even if Sam Levitt's on campus, but katen and Hauser and Noah Kim are going to get looks and to reevaluate that position. So that will become interesting. And, and I here's why I think it's important to stack good quarterback prospects on top of good quarterback prospects. While you have to be careful about building your quarterback room these days, one of those guys is going to leave. You're not going to get both in, in today's quarterback room. You don't get nobody's waiting when they're that the classes are that close three, four years or being behind one, but that's okay. You recruit one every year to the best you can because you're going to lose one and you got to have as much talent. katen or, or Sam Levitt will not finish their career is Michigan State. It's,
1: it's the only position where there's only one. There's yep. only one that can be on right. the field
0: other than a center,
1: but that's and it's five the position the
0: when you look at the transfer portal and the, the, the ability to play right away. I think it's had the most positive impact on parity in college football with guys moving around and um, and and and, I, and also understand it the most because you do only have this window and you there is only one and it's not like you know if you're a linebacker and you're there are three of you starting and you're you know aren't up for the competition and and bolt at the first sign of struggle or whatever that that's you know that's different if somebody beats you out and you want to play. If your dream is to be a quarterback. You got to go somewhere else. So that'll probably happen with one of those yeah. guys. But well, the other, I one know a lot of people, people talked about.
1: A lot of people have asked if, if MSU is looking at transfers in the quarterback portal as well. And I mean, I don't know because you've got those guys um, in in Hauser and Levitt coming up. I mean, you
0: you got to be careful with that. Cause Very much. You you do want no, if you he, did it, you're you're basically writing off Peyton Thorn. You're saying what you did wasn't enough. You're and, saying and people forget depth,
1: that Peyton Thorne won that job out from a quarterback transfer. So what are you getting in the portal at this
0: point is right. Well? And you're all, you're also the depth with no, you're also saying that Noah Kim's not providing the, the necessary depth when there's not been, you know, at least public signs of, of, of that. And then you're also only wanting a one-year kid. Cause you don't want to mess with younger players. Right. So there's a lot of things. And, and the one-year kid thing is a hard thing to find still because in the COVID era, right now, everybody's got this extra year, so you can find a kid you think—I mean, you can find a kid you know only has a year. But a lot of kids, you may think this is their last year, but if they really want to come back, they could do another year, and so that gets complicated. I, I would be surprised if they added a quarterback. I really would. I just—they've yeah. got four of them. They've got you know some young guys that are really excited about. They've got. A, a I think
1: unless there is attrition, unless, you, unless you have somebody
0: position, then you need to fill a gap, which could happen that, after the they, spring. Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, there's still that other portal window. I mean, it, there's still the window of the portal now, I think until the 18th of January, yep. then it closes up again. And it opens up again in May after the, uh, after spring ball, uh, closes most places. So I, I it's, you know, it, it's a fascinating situation how college football has turned itself into a year round cottage industry, um, but that's that's where we're at now. Um, yeah. when you, I mean, it's it's such a an NFL type model in a lot of different ways with that. Um, but yeah, I I you know from a just kind of going back to the quarterback situation with with Thorne. I mean, you also have to see what he's going to be like with with better offensive line. I mean, that's oh. you know I, I mean and a, and a run game. You know, because a lot of the Things that he did, you can't look at that twenty twenty one year and when they had a run game and what his numbers were and what he was able to do both throwing and running the ball, um, and not say that that there's something there. Um, you know, there's obviously development that needs to come, and and some of those younger guys can could surpass him. Um, but I think there's also, you know, I, I think he. I believe it appears has earned a trust from the staff because otherwise in games that weren't in garbage time, they would have turned to Noah Kim in some of those. And remember they, you know, they, they were able to come back at the end of the season when it looked like they weren't going to be in a bowl game and put themselves in a position to be in a bowl game only to lose it to the Indiana game. But it was there for them. Um, So, I, I mean, it's, it, there's a you know we talk about Tucker needing to to get to a bowl game and all those things. There's, there's a lot of fascinating storylines that I think even even before you even get to spring, you know winter conditioning and and spring workouts
0: that that are going to be starting to iron themselves out. Totally, totally agree. I, I it'll be an interesting off season. Yeah, I mean you know Peyton Thorne could well win the job and keep the job, and he's got a lot of a lot of experience. And uh, when you're trying to when you're trying to win games and not just develop guys, there's a lot to think about because you, 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 if, if he gives you the best chance to win, um, you, you're going to be hard pressed to go to somebody else. The, the flip side of that is you may see one of these guys and say, boy, the he's close enough. And the upside of that kid is, is, is worth it. Is, is worth being the guy. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and I do think the post spring transfer portal, both incoming and outgoing will be, will be interesting. Chris, it was good to do this again. Um, We'll try to yeah, do this we'll every We'll do week, it man. more
1: frequently once yeah. the, the basketball picks back up. It's been a weird month. Yeah. That's for sure. I mean, you know, as we kind of alluded to at the beginning of it, you know, between all the time off that we've had to deal with down the stretch here and then the fact that there just wasn't anything really going on other than signing – there wasn't There wasn't a bowl game to prep for. There well, wasn't – And um, I mentioned <laughs> – There were basketball
0: games. But, yeah, and I mentioned Phil still being a silent partner – like Phil still produces this. So like with Phil, yeah. it's not just me and Chris being off. If Phil is away, we we've got problems. Not that we couldn't do it in an emergency pinch, but Phil is still
1: I, I, I don't think I could do it. I, yeah. I couldn't edit this.
0: <laughs> God, I, yeah, um,
1: I definitely wouldn't want to listen to this back a second time, to tell you the truth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we'll we'll come back next week and and talk about the two basketball games and 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 preview the uh the Michigan game that, that's coming that weekend. Um And so uh, look forward to that. Uh, We appreciate all of you listening. This podcast has been a production of the Lansing State Journal, Detroit Free Press, and USA Today Network. Uh, Please like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And we will talk to you next week.